0: Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Hernan. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Um,
1: friends, I, I, uh, I want to get right into it today. I uh, hope you came hungry. I hope you came with your Bibles. Um, grab them, open them. Uh, Papa John, one of, our, one of our elders here, he reminded me last week that I, I asked you to open to Philippians um, and then I never went there <laughs> last week. So I apologize for that. I was just so excited. Um, but uh, I have to tell you, as, as, uh, as the lead pastor of this church, I have never been uh, full of this much anticipation in my life for what God wants to do at Providence. And, uh, and hearing from Tony... And uh, just just sensing what God is doing, um, I I am not focusing on the darkness. I'm focusing on Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so it's so it is so so good. And um, this Wednesday we're actually going to as as a staff and as a leadership, um, and this is brand new. So if you didn't hear this, you know, until now, we're all hearing this together. But we're dedicating Wednesday as a day of prayer here on the hill, not because something you know. Crazy is going on, but we just want to kind of hit pause, and for as much as we can, we just want to open up our hearts just to wait on God and to cry out to Him uh, with hope-filled prayers, believing that He is up to great and marvelous things in our day. So I just want to invite you. I have no details. I don't know what room that is going to be in. I just know that we're going to be praying on the hill all day Wednesday. Um, so just just come and. And uh, join in with us and cry out to God. He loves, he, he calls us to ask of him, seek from him, knock on, on his heart. Amen. And so we have to take him up on that. Um, last week, we started a series called A Jesus Church. And A Jesus Church is our new vision statement at Providence. We, uh, we introduced this statement and we shared that a, a vision at Providence, what we mean by vision is that it is when you boil us down as a church, this is what you get. This is what we want more than anything else. We want to be a Jesus church. We want with the apostle Paul in Philippians three to say whatever was to my prophet, I now consider a loss for Christ. In other words, Jesus is better than every other thing I could give my heart to. And so uh, at Providence we're going after this, and the banner that we're waving is that we're a Jesus church. and we haven't really changed direction. We come in a, a, through a long line of Jesus statements. Jesus has always been our vision, but we wanted to be abundantly clear what kind of a church we are in this day and that we are a Jesus church. And so we started talking about what that is. Um, you know, when, when we're boiled down that a Jesus church is first about Jesus, it's not first about comfort. And so when you come here, if you feel A little uncomfortable uh, because you, uh, you know, because it's a little more than what you're used to, that is okay with us. Because we come here and our priority number one is not, did you like worship, but was Jesus lifted up? And we say, Jesus, did you like it today? Were you okay with it today? And so that is our primary uh, concern around here. And I really believe that what, what God is doing in the earth, and if, if you really look into, the, into your hearts, what your heart wants more than comfort is Jesus, Uh, I think that that people are beginning to cry out for not the shallowness of make me comfortable, but the depth of Jesus take me places and open my heart and get to places in my heart that I never even knew existed. Go deeper in me than ever before. That is what we were made for. We were not made for comfort. We were made by and for him. And this is the only kind of church that I'm going to give my life to lead. I will not lead a church where I have to cater to conveniences, cater to comfort as our primary thing, and all we care about is, can we pay for the facility, and are there, are there, are there heinies in the seats? All right? I cannot do that anymore. This is not a business. This is a bride. We are not... We're, we we are a people of God, sons and daughters adopted into a new kingdom. We are not we are not running an organization. We're advancing a kingdom. The church has to get this back. This is what a Jesus church is. So let, let me tell you this. Um, I was. Uh, I took my family about, uh, it was about six years ago. My youngest daughter, Lena, was two years old at the time, maybe almost three. And we went down to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Jesus roams those beaches down there. You got to check them out. Very heavenly down there. It's a great place to find some peace. Uh, But I took my family one uh, morning early to a place called the Orange Blossom Bakery. They make these things called Apple Uglies at the Orange Blossom Bakery. I don't know if you eaten them, Um, I think they take a few years off your life, but they're worth it, all right? (laughs) Full of all kinds of nests, but uh, they taste great going down. So I buy six. Um, but uh, So we, we went down there. You have to get there before eight in the morning, uh, sometimes earlier, to actually get one. So I got the whole family up. We went down to the Orange Blossom, and it's one of these hole-in-the-wall kind of places where there's more flies than people, but there are a whole lot of people too. Um, they have like a, a sanitary rating on the wall of like C-. minus. They're barely open, all right? Um, the, uh, but we're there, and, and apple uglies are worth all of the amoebas that you eat, I, I promise. Um, but so what we do, though, is is we, we got in there and had the whole family with me. The place is wall to wall, jam packed. There's no air conditioning. Everyone's sweating on one another. Uh, it is just kind of this place where you kind of bear with it for the goal of the Apple Ugly. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I wish people did church like that, uh, but that's a whole nother message. Uh, the uh, Anyway, woo, I'm sorry. Uh, um, but anyway, um, the uh, so we're waiting on this Apple Ugly and my daughter, Lena, who's two at the time, seeing that this place is Packed with people, decides, and I don't know why, but she decides to stand on a chair, and she stands on this chair and gets everybody's attention, and begins to sing. Some of you heard this before, but my daughter begins to sing, "Jesus loves me," to everybody. She's got a captive audience. She begins to sing, "Jesus loves me," in an angelic two-year-old, three-year-old voice. "Jesus loves me," better than that. Uh, this I know, you know. So she's singing this whole thing. I remember in that moment, uh, my daughter Grace, who's you know almost four years older than my da- uh, my my son. Ethan they're kind of looking at me kind of like dad make her stop this doesn't feel right my my wife is like so blessed but also like is this right I'm kind of feeling the same way Are, are people bummed at this but they're kind of engaged with her and there's no stopping Lena so I just let her go all right and she's singing, and she, the way that I've always sang Jesus Loves Me to my kids as I've been putting them to bed at night, and the way that I end Jesus Loves Me is, is I just, I don't just sing, the Bible tells me so, but I kind of, I, kinda, I kinda triple it, all right? You don't just double things, you triple things in the kingdom, right? So, the Bible tells me so, and Lena's doing this, then she, she repeats it, the Bible tells me so, then she, then it's the grand finale, you really stretch it out, the Bible tells me, and we just, people start just doing drum rolls right there, and so she just lays it out on them, and the whole room begins to erupt in applause, woo! like this, all right, then she turns Jesus loves me into a medley, I never taught this, but she goes, the Bible tells me so, the whole place is in applause, and she goes, we will, we will rock you, and place it, yes, yes, woo! we love that, we love that, hey, the reason I'm telling you this story, is, is if we're at Jesus Church, we're gonna be reaching all kinds of people in here. And our goal is not to keep them sitting in their seats, but we want them to stand on them and sing things. You hear this? What happens in a Jesus church is it gets very uncomfortable, but that's how it is supposed to look. And I want to be the kind of church where I found out as a dad, if my daughter is proclaiming Jesus to a people who love pastries more than the kingdom. I my job is to keep everybody else that would stop that away from her and let her roll. All right? Everybody else is like, it's embarrassing. This is a little creepy. This is a little weird. This is not right socially. But the kingdom is not right socially. You have to, I'm just keeping people away. And daughter, sing. Now this is the kind of church, guys. If you're looking for a church that is going to be great to your kids, we are that. But not to keep you, to bless them. If you want a church that's going to be awesome for your teenagers, this is, I'm telling you, this is that church, but not to keep you to glorify Jesus. All right? There's no backwardsness here. We just want to be a Jesus church, in that, and your comfort doesn't trump that. All right? Now listen Psalm 8410, the psalmist declares, A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Okay? In the kingdom, you have found that that you don't just obey Jesus to get to heaven. That's called works based religion and it doesn't save. All right? Faith is actually seeing that Jesus is better than everything else in receiving him. A day in your courts, one day in your courts is better than a thousand in Jamaica on the beach. A thousand anywhere else. And I don't think that we preached a gospel that sees Jesus as better than everything that we could have had. And a Jesus church sees Jesus for who he is more worthy and more faithful and more wonderful and more holy. Do you know that the angels in heaven do not sing love, love, love or peace, peace, peace about God? They sing holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty. And that's talking to his worth. Because if he's holy, 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 there's no one else like him. But through the cross and the empty tomb, you can have him. And the gospel is not just using him to get to heaven. The gospel is being in relationship with him. Oh! Man, I just had to make some bird noises. Okay, now, now, today... Um, I want to talk about, if if we're a Jesus church, we can't just have the dream. We also have to have the mission. In other words, this morning, I want to talk about what a Jesus church does. Okay? What does a Jesus church do? When a Jesus church rolls out of bed in the morning, opens their eyes, after they put down their phone, what do they do? All right? All right. What does the Jesus Church do? And we actually want to put this in statement form just so we know. But before I roll out the statement, I want to roll out the biblical heartbeat behind this. What is the Jesus Church called to do? Now, conceptually, not in statement form, but in conceptually, I want to tell you the the end from the beginning here because the answer to this question shocked me. I I can't believe that I'm saying this on stage because uh, 10 years ago, I never would have said this. All right. I never would have said this 10 years ago. God has done a deep work in my heart. I'm very serious. But what a Jesus church is called to do is a Jesus church is actually called to discipleship. A Jesus church is called to make disciples. You know that? I, I, I would have passed that on a test and I did over and over, graduated with honors, I passed it on text all the time, on tests all the time, but I never really got it into my heart, because what was happening to me is I was experiencing what was called discipleship, but it was a perverse uh, 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 it was a perversion of what it actually is. It was twisted, it wasn't actual discipleship. And I, what I was doing is I was, I was disliking and distancing myself from the perversion, and I had never really encountered, at least I didn't think I did, from what the biblical concept of discipleship actually is, okay? Now, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28, um, starting with verse 19 and 20, this is on the top 10 list of most famous Bible passages uh, in the Bible, even though Barna, the George Barna Group, just did uh, research and came to find out this passage is the Great Commission, okay, and Barna asked thousands of church-going people have you ever heard of the Great Commission? You can look at this, it's, it's, it's published. Have you ever heard of the Great Commission to thousands of church-going people? 51% of those church-going people said, I've never heard of the Great Commission. All right? Um, 25% of the thousands of church-going people said, I've heard of it, but I couldn't tell you what it is. 17% of the people said, yes, I have heard of it, here's what it is, but it doesn't attribute for whether their definition of it was accurate or not. All right? Now, when I've read the Great Commission, I've always been told that the Great Commission is one thing, let's call it evangelism. But I'm telling you today that the Great Commission is not first and foremost evangelism, though it does include it. The Great Commission is a call to discipleship. Listen to this. Jesus says, these are his final words on the earth, Go, therefore, and say, ah, oh, whoa, whoa, stop, right? We don't need to go anywhere further. Go, go, go. We're commanded. Go, go, go. And we are. We are. We're, we're commanded to go. But, the, but the, the focus and the pressure of Jesus' words here are actually found after the go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There it is baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now we we leave that last one out. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We act like, oh, that's nice, that's icing. No, no, that's central to what discipleship is. If you've been discipled in a system that doesn't include the presence of Jesus, you haven't been discipled. You may have been educated, but not discipled. All right? Now, I want to talk about two things from this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. These are Jesus's last words. Now, I want to talk about two things here today um, uh, on this. That a, I want to talk about the emphasis of the Great Commission. Now, I've already kind of given it away a little bit, but I always thought the Great Commission was go. I always thought the Great Commission was just evangelize. And then so evangelize, and if you want to do discipleship, fine. But that's what I'd always seen. Growing up, I was born in 78, kind of I was a kid during the 80s, a pastor's kid during the 80s. I saw how church was done. I saw all these stadium gatherings where the gospel message was proclaimed. And listen, it has to be. The gospel message must be proclaimed. Just loving people but not using words is not preaching the gospel. I don't care who said it in church history. The gospel message must be proclaimed. You don't just make someone a sandwich or give somebody a blanket and say, that's preaching the gospel. That's not the gospel, all right? It, is, it may be from a, a heart that's been impacted radically by the love of God, but people need to know what the gospel actually is. They cannot fill in their own blank. right. So, but I always thought that the the Great Commission was like Billy Graham filling stadiums, seeing bajillions of people accept Jesus and amen and praise the Lord to that. But then the the movement that welcomed them into the kingdom leaves them fending for themselves. What it's just get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. What Jesus actually says is make disciples. I, I grew up listening to all kinds of church music. And this is, pray for me, because, well, everybody else was listening to some of the greatest music, like U2 and stuff in the 80s. I was listening to Sandy Patty. Um, Larnell Harris, you ever knew him? Right, anybody? Steve Green. And if I really wanted to be a rebel, I'd listen to David Meese. (laughs) (laughs) When Michael W. Smith rolled out Friends are Friends Forever, everybody was like, what are you letting your children listen to? Harrison, all right? Pushing the edge. But my very favorite, what spoke to my heart the most was Keith Green. Yeah. And Keith Green, man, he was a man on fire. A prophetic voice in his generation. Died an untimely death at 28. But, G- but Keith Green wrote a song called Jesus Commands Us to Go. And in it, he says, Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. Now, I listened to that and I began to feel a pressure that I believe is not on the Great Commission. All right, hey, it's okay to disagree with some of your heroes, all right? And it's okay for you to disagree with me today. I'm just saying, if you don't have the weight of discipleship first, that your going could be out of something other than the compelling of the love of Jesus, all right? So there is a great pressure to go in my generation when I was growing up. I went to uh, missions conferences. You ever had a missions conference roll through your church? They're sweet and sour. They're sweet because you see these beautiful pictures of what God is doing in the nations. You see what God is doing to the ends of the earth and it it's, it's usually blows our comfortable minds in American Christianity, what God was doing in Uganda and Burma and Mozambique. It's wonderful. And then you, get the, then you get the sour pressure, in my opinion, of, of, instead, of instead of saying, are you going to love these people with Jesus? It's this, it's this urgency and this pressure to go before you're discipled. And so we've had a generation of people going out of pressure that weren't discipled first. And that's like asking seven-year-olds to drive trucks. It doesn't always work. Listen, verse 19a, go is not the emphasis grammatically in this passage. This is why you go to school and study Greek grammar. It is not the emphasis grammatically. The emphasis grammatically is make disciples. Biblically, the pressure here in this passage is on disciple making, not going. In fact, a, a, a good translation of this passage could be as you are going, make disciples. The expectation is that you're going to go. The expectation is if you, have, if you were dead and now are alive and you have supernatural power flowing through your soul that you're gonna tell people about the greatest news in the world as you're going. Right? Some of you like that. Others of you are like, this is my last time at this heretical place. <laughs> this is, you disagree with Keith Green? Not on my watch, Kimo Osabi. All right, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But listen, the Father's heart is not to send babies into the world. The Father's heart is to send mature disciples. Okay, do you hear like, I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking you. I, I'm, I'm just saying I would never hand the keys to a seven-year-old child and say, say hey, follow me to the Outer Banks. It's going to be a blast. All right. In fact, listen, when my son was seven years old, like it, actually this just happened a few days ago, we needed to pull the truck up just about six feet in the backyard because we were doing some work back there. And I said, Ethan, I said, grab the keys to my truck and pull the truck up six feet. And he said, I'd rather not, dad. Why? He's 14 and, he, and his maturity level has helped him to realize that he can't do this yet. He hasn't been trained in it. And I was like, you passed the test. Here's hundred dollars. <laughs> right. If I asked him when he was seven, he would have driven the truck through the neighbor's house. All right? This is the father's heart is not to send babies into the world, but disciples built up and equipped with the gospel. And Jesus modeled what discipleship is. He didn't call disciples and send them out the day they were called. He walked with them for three years. And he told them, hey, in the, great, in the Great Commission, after he had trained them, after he had taken them to mountaintops and to valleys, after he'd cast out demons, after he'd raised the dead, after he'd healed people, after they'd seen his heart up close and in person, not from a talking head distance, he told them to go and go, I want you to go baptizing. That's family. When I was at the, when I was in uh, the Bible school, my professor one time asked us, what is baptism, okay? One of the guys like from Chicago says, you know, it's, it's, it's identifying with Christ and what he's done in your life and, and going, kind of going public with your commitment to Jesus, your faith in Jesus. And he, and he said, good. He said, anything else? And one of my Korean friends spoke up and said, it is that, but it's also identifying with the body of Christ. And the professor called that out and said, you know what? It's interesting that our Korean friends understand the breadth of baptism more than we do. We baptize in whatever today, even it's just fun. But in Korea, when you get baptized, you're going public with your faith, and you're not only you're not only identifying with Jesus, but with the church. I'm with those people. I'm imperfect as they are. I am with them, and people are going down and dying for this across the world. So when Jesus is calling people to baptism, he's calling people to family. Family is a massive part of discipleship. You have to belong. You can't just watch from a distance, okay? He's calling us to teach. That's the word of God. Has to be. The word of God must be taught in the church. Yes. It must be taught in the church. Has to be. But our definitions of discipleship have, have been almost only teaching the word of God or educating people without family and without presence. Wow. So we've done, we've done this much of discipleship. It is bigger than just learning, and, and, uh, and then with you, Jesus says, I will be with you. He's talking about this in the context of the call to disciple nations. The presence of God, the word of God, and belonging in family, they're all very important aspects to what discipleship is. I, could go, I, I just looked at the time. Let, let me keep rolling here. I want to tell you what discipleship is not, though. Discipleship, in my experience, you know, like I said, not being super, super positive, discipleship is not just making broken people smart, okay? See, that's what I'd seen. And I've told you in the past that when I was getting disciples, going to Bible school and graduate school and getting degrees and doing all this stuff, I was learning stuff, but it never touched the brokenness of my soul. And that was never a problem. In fact, when my brokenness came out, it was spiritualized instead of healed and dealt with. And Bible, and I, I, was, I was learning this. I was like, these are broken people that are unhealthy on the insides, but they know a lot of theology, but they, this couldn't be what discipleship is. And then I was seeing Bible knowledge with no power. I was like, this couldn't be what discipleship is. Then I was seeing a lust for power with no knowledge. And I was like, this couldn't be what discipleship is. And I discovered that I had not been frustrated with biblical discipleship, but a westernized rendition of it. Yes. This is, but what, what's called discipleship today is this western view of learning where you educate people in a large room from a smart talking head sometimes, or sometimes people that just love to be a talking head, with no relationship. Pack out a room, get them in the seats. If we've got a seat, at least they'll get the information, and your head goes whoosh, but your heart goes whoosh. Because discipleship has to happen in the context of family. It has to happen in the context of relationship. That is what Jesus modeled, is it not? <laughs> this is... Wow, Like, and so when I was running from discipleship in the early days of providence, I wasn't running from people going deep in Jesus and, and entering into family and, and uh, having moms and dads that speak into them and like teaching them the scriptures and then, then walking in the presence of God. I wasn't running from that. I was running, running from powerless learning. I was looking and saying, is discipleship really a bunch of classes than a certificate? Year one, year two, year three, year four, bachelor's. Year one, year two, year three, MDiv. Really? 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 This couldn't be it. I was like, I want nothing of it. I just want to be a part of a church that treasures Jesus and, and it'll be better than what I've experienced. But the Great Commission, guys, make disciples. Not just go on mission trips. Though mission trips can be a part of your discipleship. But, but the, the great commission is more than just going to another place. It is important. It's just not all. Your life is a mission. When you belong to him. When you've been brought into his family. Your life is a mission. And you go where he says. But you need to be built up. So our, our mission statement at Providence has to do with building people up in Jesus, helping them encounter who He says they are, since He is their creator, their sustainer, and their everything, right? So here's how we're saying at Providence in these days that what we roll out of bed in the morning and do, not with perfection, but this direction that we're going in. Here's how a Jesus church rolls. Here's how this church is going to be doing this. Here's how we're trying to grasp what's been going on in our hearts and and put it into a few words that are memorable. Listen, Listen. Um, just last year, our vision statement was, we see a church where Jesus is treasured, people are loved, compassion is extended, and you are changed. That's four things. Then we had the church we see document, five pages. And then we had our mission statement was, we bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places. And if I passed a mic around this room, everybody would fail that test. Why? It's too much. It's too much. I don't want to be a church where we have stuff that's great on paper, but it's not in the hearts of the, of the sons and daughters. Like, I want our hearts to be a torch. And we, we know what we do when we wake up in the morning. And so here's how we're saying it in these days. That as a church, as a Jesus church, we build people. We build people, we build people, we build. This is what discipleship is. This is what it is. First Thessalonians 5 11, here's the charge. Encourage one another. Do you know that encouragement is biblical and important for discipling nations? People aren't built up when you just tell them how wrong they are all the time. That is not challenge fuels change. That is not it. Encouragement is good for the building up of people. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is encouraging. This is what Paul is commanding the Thessalonian church. And in Ephesians chapter four, with speaking the truth in love, you are to build one another up. Not not just speaking the truth in frustration, not just educating people, but the, the motive behind our speaking must be building or it's not discipling. We build people to overflow in God's love and carry his heart. And we build people, that's discipleship, but overflowing in God's love and carrying his heart. I've been laying this foundation in my preaching for the past two years. Nathan, why don't you preach more on sin? Why don't you preach more on this? Why don't you preach more on that? Well, it's because of right now is why. We have to have a foundation where we actually, a church where we know that we have a father who loves us and we have to believe that or we can't be discipled. That's why. We have to know that, that we build people to overflow in God's love. That is, discipleship is not, you have to go. Jesus did so much for you. Get to the nations. You have to go being compelled by the love of God. So you're going in love, carrying his heart, not just going in fearful obedience to not upset the Almighty. This is how we talk in the church, and it's not kingdom, and it's not family, The church is is called to disciple people or to build them to overflow in God's love and carry his heart. Overflowing in God's love is the posture of our discipleship. It's not simply... Heartless obedience, but it's overflow from relationship with God. It's overflow from uh, from gr- the grace of God. Is that, that it's the forgiven much can forgive a little. That's where it starts. It starts with your forgiveness first, and then you're called to forgive all the little offenses in comparison, guys. That is discipleship. It's, it's, it's overflowing from genuine relationship with God. Paul in 2 Corinthians says this the love of Christ compels us. Or in other words, the love of Christ controls us to go. What is your, what is, what are you controlled by? What is your going controlled by? Well, if it's not the love of Jesus, you're going in some other kingdom's message to overflow in God's love and carry his heart. Carrying his heart is the partnership of the Great Commission. We're not, we're not just carrying a message to win an argument. We're not just arguing with people and trying to win and say, aha, boom, point number three, you couldn't answer it, you're wrong. People aren't one to the kingdom and their eyes aren't open from death to life just when they see they're wrong. When can the church get this? What snaps people to life is when they see God, who they were made for, and say, I chose all of this over you, woo. Well, I want you I want you and so every Christian is supposed to be an encounter with God's heart you don't just get his heart here and feel great Say, "Ah, oh, I got his heart it was so good give me a high five got his heart <laughs> but when we hit the streets and when we drive in a car and we, when we pull behind someone who just cut us off we don't give them the wrong message we carry his heart when people wrong us when people mess us up, what do we, we We carry his heart, that's what we do. At the grocery store, at the, I don't know why I wanna say at, the, at the, the, the tire shop. Is that a word for somebody? Went to the tire shop, they put the wrong tires on my car. I'm calling my attorney, this is not kingdom. Pay for new tires. Be, why would you not be wronged for the sake of the gospel? Carry his heart. Your life is supposed to be an encounter with God. And that, your life does not turn into an encounter with God just by you fearfully going to the nations. It's not how it works. You have to be filled with the love of God to carry his heart. And the way you get filled with the love of God is by being built up in him. And that's discipleship. And this is the kind of church that we're, this is what we're going to do when we wake up in the morning, friends. Every day is going to be a good day. Grab our Bible, grab our coffee, get to work with Jesus, not out of pressure, but out of love. He's, he's going to woo us into his kingdom. More and more and more. He's just gonna, he's calling us into greater dreams more and more and more. We're, we're Listen, at Providence, we're gonna disciple people in, into positions more and more and more. If you wanna be in leadership here, serve and carry the Father's heart and let us see your heart being carried. Don't just show up with all of your giftedness and expect stages. That is not how we're doing it. If you're successful in the world, but not successful in, your, is successful in your home, that does not impress us here, all right? This is, this is not maturity. If you're, looking for, if you're looking to walk in your calling and your destiny, we're looking for deep wells of love in your soul. We're looking for a, a person who goes low, not just always has to be right. We're looking for people that carry the Father's love and heart in every sphere of influence they have. This is what we're looking for. Gifts do not impress Jesus. He's the one who gave them, all right? This is, what we must do is we must be a Jesus church where we build people and the hearts of the Providence family have to be deep wells. This is who we have to be. This is who we have to be. We have to be trained in the word. We have to belong in family. Going on walks through the woods is not church. You can can walk with Jesus, but then you have to take what he gave you back to your family. This is, we have to get back to what it is to actually be Christians in community. And every single person needs your life, not just your tithe, though the church needs that too. This is what it looks, it's just kingdom. It's just kingdom. I'm excited about it, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Can I I end like this? Where's Adrian, is Adrian here? she around? She's right there. Could you come up for a second? You're on that side now. She's, she's being sneaky. But as she's coming up, and you're going to have to get a microphone all the way over here. Let's, let's just let her know, Adrian, you're such a blessing as she walks over here. <laughs> But the reason I'm bringing Adrienne up is is because I I want her to just share a little testimony of of what God showed her. And God showed her this on the, uh, was anybody here for the baptism service in the tent at the end of the summer? Yeah. And that was a, a Sunday where we did a baptism service. 25 people were scheduled to be baptized, and uh, the water was so hot we were going to boil people. Sam Faringer, like, you helped us, you know, wherever you are. And it was like, so we had to take a pause, and Pastor Ed Gross just kind of opened it up, and we began to testify. And listen to this, the... Jesus visited us and and not only 25 scheduled people got baptized, but 25 more people received the gospel message of Jesus and were baptized that day. All right? At- at the, uh, this, this is a Jesus church. All right, you don't have to be on the schedule. You need to be in the kingdom. Well, it's what whatever God is doing in a moment. That's what we want to walk in now. But I, my brother Philip and I were leading worship that day, and as as I was praying during worship at the end of worship and song, I said, and this is before we rolled out all this stuff. I just prayed. I said, Jesus, we're a Jesus church, and when I prayed that, Adrian got a vision. And you have to listen, listen. My wife is the most pure person you can know. Her heart, she's not looking for stages, she's, she's running from them. But I, I believe this is a season where God is, see, uh, where God is, is opening the mouths of some of these lionesses at this church. And uh, I just want to, can you tell these people what your vision was? You just flip it up. That's right.
0: I don't do stages.
1: It's okay, okay, it's number one, there we go.
0: So, <clears throat> like Nathan said, I was it, we were in the tent and I just was praying and just longing for some restoration in my soul, longing for restoration, um, for my dad's healing. And just Nathan prayed that. And I saw, and as I was praying, I just I've never had this happen to me before, but I literally felt the presence of Jesus walk into the tent and the train of his robe. I literally saw it and, and what I can understand of seeing that and I just knew he was there and I knew that he was all I needed no matter what I would receive in longing for healing and um, I just felt like the Lord reminded me of that this morning that he said remind him of my resurrection and I said okay because we just celebrated it you know we celebrated the resurrected Sunday but Jesus is here, he has not left us, he is still here, he's still, his presence fills this place. If, if he fills us, he's with us. And I just, I felt his presence touch me and from that moment I was like, it's, that's, that's the goal, Adrian. that's what your soul longs for, is just his presence. And after that, 50 people got baptized and 25 people were saved. So I didn't make that up, but I just pray that today is a day for your restoration of your soul, of healing, for your brokenness, for the healing that you're longing for, relational to physical, emotional. He's here. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Good. Good. So, so guys, we've got to see when Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the age, he wants to meet with his people. And when Jesus shows up, people get saved. People's lives change in in massive directions. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen, Jesus promises disciples, whenever you're gathered, two or three in my name, I'm with you. We've got to start doing ministry with the presence of Jesus. And so he's here this morning. And, uh, and Jesus literally wants to touch people today. Just like Jesus touched my wife in a tent, Jesus can touch you this morning. We've got a great prayer team that would love to facilitate an encounter with Jesus. That's what Tony got saved. She came up to the altar on Easter, got saved. And so, so today I just want to pray for people. Heavenly Father, this is your church. We, I did not buy this church. No other, pr- you, Bought your church and you love these people, God, whether they're far from you or, or, uh, close to you. I think there's some people here that are like, you think that you're so far that God can't reach you. And uh, the cross disproves that theory. And so you can, Jesus will run down your road and find you. And so God, I just pray for people today. I just pray for for healing of people from the outside to the inside of people. I pray for the the healing of people mentally. I pray for the the healing of people's anger. I pray for the release of, of hurt and pain. I pray that other things besides your voice and your truth, other things would no longer be be able to define people's identity, God. I just prayed for just a release of, of your power on your church again, God. So we're, we're not just cattle being herded through programs, but you're, we're your blood bought alive, church, I pray, God. So I just ask you, Father, to minister to people just how you know how to do. So we just bless you with this. Thank you, God, that we have the joy of going on a great adventure with you. And so steer this ship well. We just want to follow you with all our hearts. We bless you. We love you. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.